Well, good morning. I'm not Jason. Hi. It's good to see you. Eyes down here, right? Um, it's good to see you. I, I got to tell you, I, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, and I love, I love the church. I love thinking about all the countless people that are currently gathering all over um, our world as we worship the risen Savior. I, I can't just fully wrap my head around that as much as I love the church. I love faith community. I hope you love our church. I, I see so many of you out there that, that have such an impactful part in my life and that have been with me through years, and we've done, we've done life together, and, and I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're serving. I'm thankful that, that you've made yourself vulnerable enough to be a part of what God is doing. Um, it's amazing, right? I pray daily that, that God continues to bless our church as we move forward. Um, already mentioned, my, my name's not Jason. My name's not Jason. Uh, my name's Nathan Barnes, and along with my wife Katie, who's sitting here on the front row, um, we serve and, and worship here with you guys um, weekly here at Faith. We have two children. Um, my daughter Emery is ten, and my son Coda is seven, um, or one and three quarters, because he's a leap day baby. So if you ever see him next year, make a big deal. Um, if you see him on leap day, um, it's one of the few birthdays that he'll get in his, you know, so short life to this point. Um, but they're both very active in our, our NAVKID ministries, our OTW ministries. Um, and I, I want to thank you. I see so many of our uh, light blue shirts in the crowd. Thank you for loving my children. Thank you. It, it is not unnoticed. Uh, I thank you for what you do um, in our church. Today, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 19, if you want to start making your way there. I've got it on mine. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, that's okay. We're going to be, um, the words are always on the screen. Um, so we'll be in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 6. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. May God bless the reading of his scripture this morning. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are and what you are. God, for the amazing blessings and, and opportunities that you grant us to come into your presence. God, may we never take that lightly when we realize that the king is in the room. God, that you are here, that your spirit is dwelling with us, and God, you are leading and guiding us and directing us. God, may I humbly present all of the things that you have laid on my heart at your feet. God, these are your words for your people. God, thank you for your ever-loving grace and, and your peace that, that surpasses all understanding. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's hard to believe that we're already in part three of our pivotal series. If you are new, if this is the first time that you're here today, um, I would encourage you to go to youtube.com slash FCCWV where you'll find both parts one and two. You can go back and watch those at your, at your leisure. I, I promise you that they are well worth your time. They are well worth the watch. Um, part one, we had Jason brought the, the, the part one of that series. Jason came and, and we talked about something that was very dear to my heart where are we often too busy 
to be aware of what is going on around us, right? Are we sensitive to the Spirit? Are we doing those things? And then in part two, you know, if you remember last week, he had all of the workout equipment up here on the platform, and, he, and we talked about how we're going to face disappointments in our lives. But when we face these disappointments, when we face hard times, are we doing the hard work? Are we doing the exercises? Are we doing those things that work on our faith to help us grow and help us to build that discipline of leaning on Jesus? Both weeks were so incredible. I highly encourage you to go back and watch those um, because we're going to have moments of opportunity in our lives. We're going to have moments of, of disappointment. And, and ultimately, there's going to be moments of sadness. There's going to be moments of happiness. But when we face a trial, what are we doing to work on our faith? What are we doing to, to get in the moment and to exercise and do that? And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's how we respond to those moments that will determine the trajectory of our lives into the future. So today, in part three, we're going to be talking about how we prepare for the pivotal moment that God is bringing into your life. How do we prepare for pivotal moments? So today, if you're a person of a certain age, you will remember the classic TV sitcom Friends, right? Classic, right? If you are my son's age, if you're seven, he says that it is a comedy from the 1900s. That doesn't make you feel old at all when he refers to the wonderful decade that was. And, and so, and I'm sure when you all saw uh, weeks ago when Jason did this pivotal graphic, you thought about this show and you thought about the episode that I'm about to talk about, right? So there's an iconic episode in, of Friends. It's about, you know, six friends that are doing life together there in Manhattan. And there's an episode where, where Ross is wanting to move a couch from the bottom of the steps to the top, right? And he's got a plan. He's made a plan. He's drawn things. He's done stuff. And here comes Rachel and Chandler, and they're going to help him move this couch up the steps. And so Ross gets at the top, right? So he's at the top, and then Rachel and Chandler are on the bottom. And we know if you've ever moved furniture, it's really good to have friends. Am I right? The first time I met Slam, Slam told me he was built like a guy that could help you move a couch. So if you ever need help, grab Slam. But we know when we move a couch, where's the heavy part? Is it on the top or the bottom? The bottom, right? And so Ross is at the top. And of course, the guy at the top starts barking out orders, right? Right? So he's at the top, and what does he do when he gets to the top? You all seen the episode, you know. What does he start doing? Pivot! Right? He's just yelling, pivot! Pivot! Right? Like, what does that mean? Pivot, okay. And guess what? It doesn't work, right? So he gets to the top, and then they get stuck, right? And <laughs> there's moments in our lives that are very similar to that, right? Where we can see that there's going to be times when we need to pivot, when we need to change, when we need to move slightly out of the way in order to get to where we're going, right? That, that I can look at the couch, I can look at the stairwell, I can see the bend, and I can tell, you know what? Something's going to have to give. And so there's important lessons in that because we can see these instances in our, in our lives where God is doing the same thing. And he's presenting us with these moments that we can go and we can say, you know what? I need to pivot. This is a pivotal moment in my life where I might need to make a slight adjustment. So back in 2010... Katie and I were living in Louisville, Kentucky, um, or Louisville, or Louisville, or all the places that you would call it. If you're from Kentucky, it's Louisville. So imagine you've got a mouth just full of marbles, and that's what you say, Louisville. And so we're living in Louisville. Katie's working at a university. She's finishing her master's in counseling because um, she needed it to marry me. 
And then I'm, I'm a part-time youth pastor. I'm finishing my master's um, and going to seminary, doing those things. And we were celebrating our one-year anniversary. And so we didn't have any money. I don't know if you remember the newlywed stage, but, but we were poor, right? And we had a nine-pound miniature Dotson. Her name was Copper. And we needed somebody to watch Copper for free when we were on vacation, right? Because we didn't have money to pay somebody to watch this dog. So we're like, well, let's go to Beckley because my in-laws lived here. And we'll drop Copper off. And then we will spend our, our weekend, we're going to spend two days at the world-renowned Canaan Valley State Park, right? Really close to the Greenbrier in, in standards, right? It's, it's a really nice place. I don't know if you ever stayed there. It's really nice. And so when we were in Beckley, a pivotal moment in my life happened, and I was presented with an opportunity to come to Beckley and to manage Chick-fil-A here. Now, let's be clear that this plan was not my plan, and so I go to Katie, and I'm like, hey, like, I've been presented with this opportunity. What do you think? And we prayed about it and all those things, and, and realizing that it wasn't making a lot of sense. So I don't like raw chicken, right? I, I have high cholesterol, so Laura Fisher tells me I can't eat fried food, right? I hate pickles. If you like pickles, gross, right? Like Katie eats like pickle-flavored chips and chicharrones and all the things, and I, it's disgusting. I don't like those things, right? They're gross. And, and honestly, I don't know if before the year 2010 I had ever said my pleasure in my life, right? <laughs> and, and now, like, she's like, you know what? This doesn't make a lot of sense, right? We spent eight years of our lives preparing to go into ministry. And then now God's calling us out of vocational ministry to sell God's chicken. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, because my plan was that what Katie was going to keep working and she was going to start her practice there in Louisville doing counseling. And I was going to go full time on at the church and do that where I didn't have to focus on school. That was my plan. But there are moments in our lives where God will present us with situations that don't make sense. And even though in this moment it didn't make sense, God was calling us to Beckley, Right? 10 years, you know, 11 years from now, it's easy to see that, 13 years, sorry, bad math, I'm a banker. 13 years, you can see that careers have changed and things like that, but Beckley was where he was calling us to be. And if Beckley is where God was calling us to be, then we needed to be faithful. And we prayed, God, open doors, close doors, make this so abundantly clear that this is what you want for us. And that's what happened. And so life is going to be full of these pivotal moments that don't always make sense. Some pivotal moments will make sense, right? Some do, but some aren't going to. And so we get this point where we need to realize that there are going to be big and small pivotal moments in our lives, but both big and small pivotal moments can drastically change the trajectory of our lives. But we realize that there's going to be times where we have to step out and we have to take what's comfortable, and we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone like Jason talked in week one. Because change is constant, right? Your life today is different than your life yesterday. Your life yesterday is not going to look like it does tomorrow. It is always changing. Our relationships are changing. Our friendships are changing. 
Even our relationship with God is constantly changing, not because God is changing, right? God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. But there's times in our lives where we, where we become very close to him, and then there's times where we fall back, right? Change is constant. But are we flexible enough in our lives to listen to the plan that God has for us? And when we are presented with a pivotal moment, are we ready? When you're presented with a pivotal moment, are you ready? And so today, in part three, we're going to be talking about how to be ready for when a pivotal moment comes. And what are we doing to be ready? So looking at the life of Zacchaeus here, it shows a man that's in search of purpose. Okay, It shows a man who is, is seeking for something different than his profession. Right, So he is a tax collector, which we understand as a tax collector in in this time period, he would have been employed by the Romans, but he was a Jewish citizen. And so people didn't like him. I don't know if if you love the tax man. I'm sorry. People didn't like the tax man. And and we also know that he had um, physical ailments that allowed that, you know, prevented him from gaining height. I don't know what other way to say it, right? He was short. Um, But in this moment, God sees a deeper purpose for Zacchaeus, even though Jesus knew the reputation of Zacchaeus. He knew his reputation. And I'm so glad today that Jesus sees beyond our reputations, right? That there are times in our lives where Jesus sees us and he knows our hearts and he knows our desires and he knows what we are here for. Because This happened when Jesus met Zacchaeus. It started a series of events that changed his life forever. So today, if you're here and if you're feeling lost and you feel like you don't know what your next step is going to be, know that Jesus does, that our God has a plan and a purpose for you. Have you ever felt like nobody sees you, right? Have you ever felt like you're in a room and you're just kind of by yourself, right? Have you ever been there? that you're not good enough, that all of the mistakes and all of the things that I've done in my life and had in my life are going to hold me back for what God wants to do with me. You see, in this moment, Zacchaeus felt this too. He felt like what he had done in life was going to prevent him from, from what he needed to do, right? Zacchaeus was short. We already talked about that. And it very well was probably an insecurity that he struggled with. We're all going to have these moments in our lives where we struggle with insecurities, when we struggle with our self-worth, when we realize that, you know what, I don't feel like I'm good enough, and I don't feel like I have anything that God can do with me. But know that there's going to come times when, when we're lost about our future and we're thinking about, you know, what's my next step in my career? Where's God taking me? Why is this happening? And maybe, you know, there are going to be times that, that we can relate to Jesus in this. But the truth is, and the, and the great thing today is that God is always with us. That even in every one of those pivotal moments of our lives, our, our God was walking with us hand in hand. So how have we prepared today to be ready for these pivotal moments when they come? How are we preparing to be ready? So today I want to look at, we're just going to look at several little things that each of us can do to be ready for these pivotal moments in our lives. So to start, we surrender control. We surrender control. Now I understand I probably picked the hardest one to start, right? I get that. And this is something that a lot of us struggle with. 
I struggle with it. I don't know if anybody else in this room likes to hold on to all of the things in your life that you think you can control. I'm, I personally am a type A, right, if you couldn't tell. Does anybody else in the room type A, right? My peeps, I see you. I see you. We could get stuff done, right? We should start a group. Um, I love my small group, but, you know, we could start a separate group and we could get stuff done. And, but I feel like that, that's not always a good thing because I struggle to give things over, right? I want to do it. I believe I can do it. And I struggle to give things over when I believe that I can do it. And so I, I struggle to put my dependency in the hands of the Father, right? Because I'm too self-reliant. And so often I, I struggle with that. And it's best, you know, sometimes I believe that I know what's best for me. Um, if you just ask, I'll tell you. But how often I am so wrong, right? We think we know and we don't. And I am wrong all the time. But we start by surrendering control. And, and when, we, when we struggle to let control, it's because, you know what, we like, we like the structure in our lives, right? We like to have the predictability in our life, right? I like, um, I like knowing what's coming, right? I'll watch the same sitcom over and over because, guess what? I know how the story ends, and there's some comfort in knowing those things, right? But our lives aren't like that. We're going to have times when we have to give things over, and so Zacchaeus, he's in this moment where he's needing to surrender control to, in, in preparation for Jesus. And how did Zacchaeus surrender control in this story? Zacchaeus surrendered control in this story by climbing a tree. Okay? He climbed a tree. Now, I'm not saying you all need to go outside and find you a tree and climb it. It's a ton of fun, but probably dangerous for us to do at our, our, our ages. Um, but he went out and he did something intentional to prepare for what was coming. Right? What are we intentionally doing to prepare for what is to come? What are we intentionally doing to prepare for what is to come? And I believe that the greatest thing that any of us can do, the starting point, is that we take it to Jesus in prayer. We have to start with prayer, right? We, we just sung about it, right? We sung about the power and how we can acknowledge all of the things that God has done in our lives. Because prayer is our opportunity to take the things that worry us and lay them at the hands of, uh, at the feet of Jesus. It's our opportunity to say, God, I am struggling with fear right now, but you are not impacted by the fear that I feel because you are bigger and you are greater. Prayer is our opportunity to surrender those things. Prayer is our opportunity to surrender control. And when we surrender control, we, we are acknowledging that we cannot do this on our own that we cannot do this on our own, that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, many of us have experienced these times in our lives when um, our desire for control has gone the wrong way, right? I wanted to control something, and guess what? It went sideways, and it didn't go the way that I wanted. Look here in verse 4 again. It says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I, I love this imagery here of Zacchaeus running ahead, right? He ran ahead in order to prepare for Jesus, right? Are we running, not, not actually, but are we figuratively, are we with urgency running ahead to spend it with Jesus, right? When a situation comes up and you're presented with a, a, a decision one way or another, are you saying, I cannot get in front of Jesus fast enough? 
Is that my first response? Not, I think I can, I know I can. It's, I'm got to be at the feet of Jesus. Because that's where it starts. You see, surrendering control is hard. Surrendering control of things is uncomfortable. And sometimes we're going to have to surrender control in some stuff that, that we might be afraid of. We're going to have to surrender control to, to things where, where there's unpredictability. But when we surrender control, we're trusting that God is in control. Like Jason said two weeks ago, we, we remove ourselves from the driver's seat, place ourselves in the passenger's seat, and we let him take the wheel. And we let him move. You see, three years ago, I was at a spot in my life where my life was a mess. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with anxiety. I was overwhelmed with trying to control everything that I was presented with. And then when I realized that all these things that I was trying to control, guess what? I didn't have any control over it, so what did it cause more of? More overwhelming, right? I suffered from depression for the first time in my life. I would pray and I would seek God's face and it was like my prayers were getting stuck on the ceiling. I didn't know where to go, what to do. And it wasn't until that moment that I, I learned what it meant to run to Jesus. I learned what it meant to have the urgency and, and the dependency of saying, God, I cannot control these things. You are, this situation is, is too big. And, and I am too prideful in this moment to feel like I can do all of this. So you need to take this. I need to surrender this to you. And it was a pivotal moment where I learned. But the question then becomes, am I willing in this moment to become broken before Jesus? The man that lived a perfect life and broke himself on Calvary to die for my sins and your sins that same man, am I willing to be broken before him? Because I have nothing if not from the Father. I have nothing. But prayer, it allows us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it allows us to seek his face in what we do. Next, we need to be open to change. We need to be open to change. Now, I know statistically some people love change. Some people don't love change. And I get that. But let's look at what the Bible says here in verse 5. It says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, can you imagine in this moment how Zacchaeus would have felt? I would imagine that he was absolutely terrified. Because there's no way when Zacchaeus woke up that morning, when he rolled out of bed, that he would have thought, you know what? I bet Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is going to come hang out at my crib. Right? It, it wasn't even on his radar. And yet, here he is with this situation. And, and how, could we have never, how could we have ever imagined? But what happens if God presents you today with a pivotal moment that is beyond your wildest dreams? Something that you could have never imagined in your life. Do you realize that each of us are always on the, on the precipice of experiencing something like this? That God is going to put you in, in front of something that you're going to have a life change. The thing I love here is that Zacchaeus had one desire that day. And he wanted to see Jesus as he walked by. He wanted to see him. 
And, and I love that even though that was his expectation, that God had a different plan in mind. How many times have we walked into a situation where we think we know what we want to get out of it, and God's like, oh, no, no, no. You just wait. Let me show you. And God presents Zacchaeus with a different plan, and that the Savior of the world would be coming to his house. Your pivotal moment is very close because we see here that Zacchaeus at once came down and he came down with gladness. When he was presented with a change, he didn't flinch. He had done everything in his heart to prepare himself for what was to come so that when his pivotal moment was presented before him, he didn't flinch. He embraced the change that was coming. So the question then becomes, where are the areas in our lives that, that I'm resistant to change? Right? I might be open to change in certain areas. I might be open to change in certain things, like, God, you can have this, or God, you can have that. But are there parts of my life that I've kind of made off limits? God, you can't have this one. It's a little too close. I don't want you to have this. Are we going to God daily in prayer, asking for those parts of our lives to be shown to us? Have we prepared ourselves to be ready for his plan? Because next, we need to embrace vulnerability. We embrace vulnerability. Can, can you imagine uh, a situation where over years you have built these walls around you with, with various things, right? And we've built these walls around us to protect us from all the things that we think are out to hurt us. We all do it. We all build these walls up. Are we willing to be vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I don't need these walls because I trust that my God is in control? And are we willing to push those out of the way? You see, because when we're vulnerable, that's when it allows for the transformative power of Jesus to work in our lives. You see, Jesus that day is coming to the house of Zacchaeus. Can you imagine a more vulnerable place in your life than your house? Like This is your home. For many of us, this is your safe space, right? And, and Jesus is coming. So I don't know if you all do this, but whenever we have guests coming over, what do we do for like three weeks leading up to that visit? Clean, right? We are cleaning. We are yelling at the children to clean their room. We're cleaning out closets. Why would we clean out closets? I don't know. We're cleaning out closets, right? We're moving furniture. We're mopping. We're going in the master bathroom. We're scrubbing grout in our master bathroom. When are they, why are they going to come into our master bathroom? I don't know. We need to clean it, right? They're coming. And, and what happens when they come to our house, right? We bring them in. They come in the front room. And do they ever leave the front room? No. Like, I just spent three days cleaning my bathroom. Like, do you want to go see it? It's really clean. Like, come on in. See my bathroom. That's weird. But are we, are we being, imagine just how vulnerable he was in this moment, right? So the, the, <laughs> if there was a time, you know, where Jason were to come up to me and say, hey, hey, Nathan, um, I need to see you, and I'm going to be coming to your house after service today. Okay, there's going to be a lot of emotions that I'm experiencing in this, right? I'm just going to be honest. First, I don't know if anybody else does this, but my first thought is going to be, am I in trouble? <laughs> the, pa the pastor is coming to my house. Like, did I, did I, did I do something? Like, we good? Did I, did I say something wrong? Like, that, I don't know why, but that's going to be the first thing that pops in my head. And then the next thing is going to be like, oh, no, 
I forgot to ask Katie. So that's going to be the second thing. And then third is going to be, oh, there's dishes in the sink, right? We've got folded laundry on our dining room table. Okay, let's be honest, it's not folded yet, but we're going to fold it, right? We have the, does anybody else have the big basket full of assorted socks? And when, when you got to get ready in the morning, you're just like hoping and praying, like two of a kind, please, you know, uh, close enough. Uh, anybody ever, it's, got, it's close enough. They're in my shoes. Nobody will know. Um, and, and so we get to this point, and, and I, I can just imagine in that moment, if Jason were to come, am I vulnerable enough in that moment to say, yeah, man, come over. Come over. Warts and all. Come over. You see, vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. Vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. It's an opportunity for God's power to be displayed in our lives. You see, we can witness the power of God working through us and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. You see, Zacchaeus is climbing a tree despite being small. Right? Zacchaeus is climbing a tree despite being despised by all the people around him. And yet he did it. And that led to a pivotal moment in his life that changed his trajectory forever. So finally, step into your greater purpose. As we get ready for life's pivotal moments, it's important to remember that these pivotal moments aren't the end of their journey, they're the beginning. That God is going to put something in your path that's better. And that has a way of working out for his good. Let's finish this story. Starting in verse 7, it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' purpose wasn't his career. Zacchaeus' purpose wasn't all of the money that he had accumulated. Zacchaeus' purpose wasn't to be known as somebody with physical limitations. But instead, his purpose that day was to show that he loved Jesus more than anything he had And anything he could ever have. That was his call. And the life experiences that Zacchaeus had up to this point created an opportunity for this pivotal moment to happen. The wealth that he had accumulated gave him an opportunity to be charitable. His reputation amongst his peers gave him a testimony to the transformative power of Jesus. Everything that Zacchaeus had experienced led to this pivotal moment when he got to choose, will I listen or will I not? Will I obey or will I not? And similarly, today, each of us have been given life experiences and we have talents and resources and all of these things that are solely yours. You are the only person on this planet that has your unique talents, abilities, giftings, uh, life, all the things. You're the only one. And so your purpose is going to look different than my purpose. And my purpose is going to look different than Pastor Sam's. And that's okay because Pastor Sam has been brought here with a purpose, 
based upon his experiences, based upon what God has done in his life. And I think it's beautiful that God has brought all of us together with all of these life experiences, with all of these struggles, with all of these victories, and said, I can use all of these things for my good. There are pivotal moments in all of our lives where God is coming and he's saying, I can use all of this. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what I can do through it. And imagine, imagine if we really grasp that and we became encouragers to each other about the plan that God has for your life. Man, I see this pivotal moment in your life and I just wanna encourage you. I see what God's done and I see what he's doing. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? How can I support you? What happens? We would become a community that would just overflow the love of Jesus. Our world would never be the same. Are we ready for the pivotal moments that God has in store for you? Because you need to be ready for pivotal moments from God because he is preparing you for a greater purpose. We need to be ready for pivotal moments from God because he is preparing you for a greater purpose or calling. You see, these moments of our lives, they're not punishments. Your pivotal moment isn't a punishment. Your pivotal moment isn't a setback. Your pivotal moment instead is an opportunity for us to lean into the redemptive power of Jesus and be transformed forever. This morning, if if you don't know who Jesus is, if you've never heard of him, know that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, that he is the son of the living God, and he died on a cross bearing no fault of his own, in order to be sacrificed in our place. So that at the end of the day, if I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead three days later, where he conquered death in the grave, and I believe that he stands before us for all eternity as the risen King and Savior, and if I confess that, I will be saved. You can be saved. This might be the pivotal moment for you. This might be the change that God has brought you to this place for. That you've done life on your own. That you've not surrendered control. That you're not open to change. That you've done all of the stuff wrong. But that's okay because I died on a cross for you. Let me transform you. Let me show you who I made you to be. Do we run to him? Do you love him so much that I I cannot wait to just be in your presence? I wake up every Sunday morning with a little hop in my step because I I get to be with his people. The king is in the room. The king is in the room. Are you ready for your pivotal moment? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. God, we just ask that as we fully embrace this, that God, as you call us, that we are open to your spirit. God, that we run to you because you are great and you are good. And God, you are worth everything. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would stand with us here in a few seconds, our 
prayer team will be coming forward. If you experienced a pivotal moment today and you need to speak to somebody and you need to pray with somebody, they'll be up here at the front. Your moment is now. Are you going to flinch or are you going to be ready? Let's pray one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. God, will you protect us as we leave here today? God, thank you for everything that you're doing. God, we acknowledge that everything we have comes from the hands of the Father. God, thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Grace and peace.